Hey coconuts, recently there's been quite a sell-off. I know a lot of people are very sad. I received a lot of DM asked me like, oh, when will my growth stocks come back? I was like, how I know? How will I know? But I, I feel you, I feel you. Uh, the overall market has come down with uh, definitely the tech space coming down pretty significantly, somewhere like a 16%. And some of these major growth names, like, like big growth names have came down even more. 65%, 50% is average, huh? So the, the bleed is real. It is starting. There's a lot of interesting stuff coming, right? Because as they say, when there's blood on the streets, that's when you find very, very interesting good companies at a great price. So if you are a firm believer of this idea of trying to find companies at a great price, then hey, you shouldn't be too sad, you know? It's a good time. Start to open up your eyes, open up your ears, right? Start to observe what's going on. And yeah, maybe, maybe you can find your multi-baggers. So today I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts and some of the companies that I am looking at. So welcome back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so we are back with another stock pick kind of episode which is very popular very popular in the content space and I know some of you also really like it like hey what is in your purview what are you looking at huh? wow market come down what's happening right so I know a lot of people like this I'm uh, uh, I'm a little bit on the fence generally I don't like to do this kind of content because I know a lot of people will listen like, oh yeah 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 yeah, very good very good let's just buy and I'm like oh my god do you know what you're doing so um, I will say for the sake of uh, viewership <laughs> And also to meet your needs, right? Because we are in the content business, right? We need to meet your needs. At the same time, keeping to my values and uh, holding to my moral grounds, I'm going to share with you some of the stocks in my purview. Like what I'm looking at, but at the same time, uh, take this opportunity to continue to expand on some ideas that uh, you should think of when looking at different, different stocks and trying to understand them at a different time of their growth and different situations that you are buying them in. So needless to say, recently there's been a pretty crazy drop and some people are very concerned, right? Oh, I was making money the past two years and then what's happening now? I'm like, okay, welcome to the stock market. Huh? Finally, you're maturing into a, a little bit more of an investor. I remember by the first time when I had this kind of collapse, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot sleep. I am with you. I know what you're doing. I know what you're going through. But of course, if you're a seasoned and you've been through this, you're a little bit more stable and probably a little bit more excited. I would say second timer, third timer will be a little bit more excited because they may have um, that kind of growth experience right after the stock market collapse. Right? Which means when there's blood on the streets and then some people want to buy some things and then after a few years, wow! <laughs> so, hey, good things to a lot of you guys that have made some money in the markets over the years. 
And I know recently there are a lot of articles going around. How would I play this drop? You know, I have started buying. What would I buy? Right. So InvestQuest came out with an article. Financial Horse came out with an article. I'm sure Thomas is giving a lot of articles at City Compounding. You should tag all of them if you want them to come on our show to expand a little bit more on their thought processes, right? So yes, just share this episode on your social and then you tag them and say you must come on the show to talk a little bit more about your thing. And of course, you know, as the leading financial podcaster, <laughs> I have to put up my views also and uh, join in this thing. Uh? But I would say, okay, please remember this. A uh, very important announcement. Uh? Everything from this point onwards are uh, for education and entertainment purposes only. Should not be construed as financial advice uh, or solicitation to buy any stocks. Well, very important disclaimer. And with that, we can begin the juicy discussion, uh, the stocks that I'm looking at. Uh, I would like to put it out there that I do not just own these stocks. Uh, a lot of these other companies that people are talking about, a little bit of REITs, a bit of the big tech, I do own a little bit of all of them. right? Not everything, but I just... Why do I say that? I want to say that because I don't want it to be a case where you think I only own these three companies. Okay, This just happened to be some of the stuff that I'm thinking of. If you have other interesting companies that you want me to think about um, or have us geek out on our other shows, you can always tag us on our telegram or tag us on our socials and yes you know email in hello at the financial coconut.com and to begin i want to expand a little bit on this idea of growth stocks a lot of people are using this word in a very uh, fluid fashion some people are like growth in the companies some people are like growth in the fundamentals some people are like growth in the stock price and and what have you right so for me, while I'm looking at the fundamentals of the company, when I look at something as a growth stock, I'm really looking at trying to get a 5-bagger, a 10-bagger, which means a company that can 5x and 10x for me. Okay? Which is why, to me, the market cap is important, also known as the total cost of this whole company. How much is this whole company worth? Right? So look at market cap and not single stock price. I will not talk about it today. I assume you already know huh, if you're going to continue this discussion with me. Okay, so the whole market cap is important. Why? Because a company that is like a $5 billion company can 10x to $50 billion. Not uncommon, right? A lot of companies are $50 billion, $100 billion today, right? But a company that is already 5 trillion okay don't have like, a company that's already 1 trillion dollars you want it to like 5x you become 5 trillion dollars I don't know I feel like a, a bit hard right? not impossible it'll be a slow grind maybe 20 years 30 years which is not a bad thing also but um, a bit hard right so which is why a lot of people want to look at smaller companies for me the sweet spot is somewhere about 10 20 billion Usually when a company can enter this range of pricing, uh, it does suggest that they have already covered a certain space in the market. That means they are a serious player in this game already. They're not one of those like, you know, uh, 800 million listing or $1 billion listing hoping to raise money to like anchor themselves in this space, right? So they already have a serious anchor in this environment that they play in depending on which environment they are and they are trying to vie for the big, Pie, right? So they are trying to become dominant, and that is what I want, right? So a decently sized company, 10, 20 billion, that is trying to vie for dominance, eventually getting me that 5, 10x of my returns. 
Of course, at a $10-$20 billion valuation, I'm expecting these companies to be at a fair value, right? That means price to earnings, price to sales, or even cash flow. They all look fine, right? They're not like, wow, crazy, so expensive for these companies. And there are certain objective views to these things. Um, we will not talk about them here. I probably should do one episode about valuation. Uh, but in the earlier episodes, I probably have done some of them. Or if not, you can check out our other podcast, the TFC Stock Kickout, to talk to you know, our other personalities and experts who, you know, Discuss a little bit more about this whole valuation idea. So overall, I'm looking for a decently sized company, about 10 to $20 billion, with a best-in-class product, a product that's been proven, people love it, people use it, led by a founder seeking dominance, eventually helping me to make about 5 to 10x on the investments that I made in this particular stock. And with that, I'm going to start with the first company that I'm very excited and very, you know, getting increasingly interested in it because previously, uh, prices were a little bit too high, a little bit too crazy. And that is number one, Roku. So Roku started as a company that was selling hardware that you attach to your television to make it smarter. Uh, there was a period of time <laughs> where everybody got very big TVs, very beautiful LED, LCD, whatever D, uh, very amazing, beautiful colours, but they were playing like Gen 8 drama or they were playing like cable TV and they were limited by a lot of these very expensive content platforms. When a lot of us on our day-to-day -day basis have really moved on, right? We are consuming Netflix, we are consuming Spotify, Spotify, we're consuming like YouTube, we're consuming a lot of these digital content platforms that are not directly attached to your television and it takes a lot of work to plug in HDMI and always got problem one. So Roku essentially built something that allow you to plug into your TV and have easy internet connection to all these different streaming platforms and they call it the streaming player. Eventually, next generation became these players were inbuilt into the TV and now it's called Roku TV. They continue to sell some of these streaming players and also additional hardware, la, audio wear, la, controller, la, all those kind of things, which used to be their dominant business, but times have changed. Eventually, they become an operating system for television, right? So a lot of your big cable TV platforms, Fox News, la, MSNBC, a lot of all these Comcast and even Netflix, YouTube, of course, all these people, they started to integrate themselves into Roku TV, into the Roku TV ecosystem. So instead of building out their own heavy infrastructure to join the streaming wars, a lot of these cable TV platforms, they just use Roku TV. In other words, instead of building out their own streaming services and streaming platform, which is very complicated and very heavy, they just pay a distribution fee to Roku and then they just use their, their platform and life carries on, right? So a lot of your Comcast and your Fox News and all these guys started to integrate into Roku TV and Roku TV with that integration became more and more of a viable product. So more and more people feel like, hey, not bad, well, I can watch this, do that, do this, do that on Roku TV. So that more people started to buy Roku TV and Roku TV kept, kept growing. Of course, eventually, a lot of competitors started coming, right? Fire TV by Amazon. And of course, Google tried to do their own platform. Apple also tried to do their own platform. There's even a lot of talk out there that says that Disney Plus, most of Disney Plus sales are coming from Roku TV. So you start to see the beauty of the platform. What started as a hardware, became an operating system, started integrating with a lot of these content players and they became the distribution channel. And you know what? Now they are doing their own channel, the Roku channel. I think even Demi Lovato has a talk show coming on with them. Like, she can talk, man. 
<laughs> Why don't they use me? Right. So eventually, I also have a talk show on Roku. Eh? <laughs> but that's not the discussion for today. What I what I think is interesting is you see the evolution of a hardware low margin business. Hardware business very tight. One the margins very low. Right. All the way to operating system where they start to distribute other people's a you know higher margin business and they build their own channel with all these data that they've collected. Of course, because everybody is streaming on their platform, they know what works. They know what kind of content is better. Right. Which is why Netflix has very high hit rate. Right. Because they have all these content being out there, they can test and test and test. But Roku even more gal, right? They they test with other people's content, right? So other people pay them money to distribute on their platform and they see what works. Now they build their own channel. And with their new channel, it gives them more space for ad revenue. And you see ad revenue and subscription revenue becoming their main business, no longer the sale of hardware. So their ad revenue and platform revenue overall grew 80 over percent which is pretty nuts, pretty crazy for a company like that. And I think they are right for the trajectory upward, right? So what we call the hockey stick. Okay, so the main disdain out there today is the player sales. Player sales are a bit slower. That means TV sales are slowing down. Hardware sales are slowing down. And they, of course, they blame distribution uh, with the COVID and everything, which is kind of fair. Everybody is blaming it, right? I, I don't think is anything really wrong. La. But I would say be warned, be prepared. You don't want to see them have active users come down. You don't want to see them have a prolonged supply chain problem that they cannot scale their business. You don't want to see that, yes. But if they can solve it over the medium period of time, which is great, and continue to grow the engagement on their platform, hey, I think this business has a lot more room to grow. As you can already tell, advertisers are coming in. Uh, people are willing to try it. An interesting thing is they're doing this whole small, medium business advertisement for TVs, which is a problem that people have been trying to solve for the longest time ever. Even to date, right? Your Beijing Hianlang, your old Simla, they're trying to do advertisements on TV, right? It's, it's a long process. Imagine all the small business have to go in and negotiate la, and debate la, and talk, la, talk la. Hey, can you uh, how much uh, blah, blah, which artist to use la, blah 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 so it's very 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 mahon, very long process and this can be solved uh, possibly with a platform like this right where you can just go in much like you buying YouTube ads buying Facebook ads Instagram ads hey easy platform for small medium businesses to buy ads on television why not it's amazing I think about 60% of advertisement on Facebook today are from small, medium businesses, right? So this is going to be a very, very interesting uh, move for Roku going forward. That's not to say they have no competition. Uh, like I've said, Amazon TV is pretty crazy, right? Fire TV. They have a... As big a distribution compared to Roku, so they're, they're pretty near in the ballpark, pretty similar. Apple TV is also trying to be in this space, right? But I will say uh, consumption pattern is a little bit different from iPad and iPhone compared to like being on the television. And uh, that is the beauty of the business at this moment in time. For a company that is seeing this kind of top-line growth, uh, platform revenue growing at 80%, overall average revenue per user growing at 50% year-on-year, and uh, continue to grow users, continue to grow its stickiness, and uh, creating all these interesting platforms as a business and developing itself over the time. But trading at $20 billion, uh, you cannot discount that they have very strong competition. Of course, they have very strong competition. Amazon, Apple, Google, essentially are all the competition. Nah. And you will see this as a commonality across all the companies that I'm going to talk about today. They all face crazy competition from some of these big tech players. right? But I will say... Uh, that is exactly why I'm interested in them because they are showing signs that they may be able to be one of the big players in this space or even you know outrun some of these big guys. 
So that is Roku, the first company that I think is pretty interesting at today's price point. Yeah, we definitely should do the geek out for Roku. Maybe can get Anthony to geek out or we'll get someone else to geek out on TFC stock. Geek out. Which brings me to the next company that I'm looking at today um, at current price point and that is Zendesk. I've talked about this and we've definitely geek out about them in TFC stock geek out. So you should check that out. But yeah, I will come back to you after a word from our sponsor. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Zendes currently trades at a market cap of $12 billion with a $1.3 billion revenue, right? So definitely not the cheapest relative to other SaaS companies. Uh, I would say they are quite a miracle being able to cordon off a very unsexy part of the business space, which is your service, right? So your help desk service, right? So your FAQ, your chatbots, your helpline, all the rubbish that <laughs> as a customer, you go to them when there's problem, right? So they have cordoned off this part of the market for many years. And to this day, they are the dominant player. And I would say, there are no real competition other than maybe Freshdesk and Zoho. Zoho is a private company, Freshdesk uh, backed by Google. So interestingly, both Zoho and Freshdesk are private companies found by Indian founders, right? So you cannot actually directly invest in them. So Zendesk probably is your only choice out there if you're not looking at an integrated full-scale software companies, uh, which happen to be their competitors, like Microsoft, Salesforce, you know? <laughs> Those are the guys that are competing. As with any other startup, they all usually start in a place that is a dark corner of the business world. People don't really look at these things and they find that there's no money to be made. So nobody really invests in these areas, right? So same with Square, same with Shopify. A lot of them, they started out doing very small things that people think like, huh, never mind, I don't need to do, right? So Square started with the dongle and look at where they are. Shopify started with a surfing website, look at where they are, right? So same thing for Zendesk, you know, they started at a very unsexy corner help desk. Right, which is essentially your call center support and all your service after service recovery. But they are now the dominant player and they are inching into the big boys, right? So your Microsoft, your Salesforce, they are entering this space where it's very sales-driven, right? So they are trying to provide a whole new suite uh, into their repertoire as a software company. In other words, within the space of service support, they are already the leader. They integrate the chatbot, they integrate FAQ, they integrate call center, everything they integrate already, right? So they are already the leader in the space. But as they try to expand their total addressable market and entering into the sales CRM space, they start to meet a lot of competition, right? Like Microsoft, la, Salesforce, la, right? your HubSpot, all these other guys that are actively in the space trying to uh, grapple with this market. I want to say recently, a lot of this dissonance between uh, buying SurveyMonkey or Momentif, right, whatever they want to call themselves, um, really stems from this idea of where should we focus on? Should we just uh, focus on help desk or should we enter the CRM sales space? 
I do see some synergies with their recent attempt to acquire Momentif Technologies, which is SurveyMonkey. Well, I love their name, SurveyMonkey, by the way. Who doesn't use SurveyMonkey? Uh, all you millennials definitely use it before, okay? But they're trying to acquire it to further integrate into their business, which to me is a natural trajectory for a lot of these kind of software companies, especially enterprise software. After you have a cordon of a certain market, you have all these customers that you have, you just keep upselling them new things, new things, new things. And as you keep upselling them new things that they need, you further expand your margins, right? Because every additional upsell doesn't really require extra marketing and, you know, um, customer acquisition because they're already in your ecosystem. It can be as simple as an additional plugin. Want to add this $5 per month more? You know, pretty much that's the situation. And that's the part where I think is very beautiful about Zendesk. Firstly, they've already created a very neat suite to do the service support. And next, they're doing a lot of this kind of integration and easy upsell within their ecosystem as compared to other enterprise softwares, you know, which they're selling in package, like a lot of integration. Onboarding is very slow. And I do believe that a lot of these old enterprise software, they either have to change into a more cloud self-service arrangement or they will eventually fade out. It's going to be very hard for them to continue to stay competitive within the space. Which is why I think Zendesk is in an interesting position, similar to where Salesforce, before it became a big thing, it was dominating the CRM space and it was just upselling its customers again and again and again. You see the margins keep expanding. So I think Zendesk is where it is, right? It has a best-in-class product and it's selling a lot of more integration. Which is why I don't see a problem when with them trying to acquire some of these, like especially SurveyMonkey and Momentive Technology, right? So it is easier to acquire a proven product and upsell rather than build your own product. You know, it takes a long, long time. So they are definitely learning to milk their dominant position in the space they are in and also to double down on their self-service capability where they build their product to onboard themselves, right? So I think th those two are big problem in enterprise space and you see a bunch of people that are solving it. But that is not to say they have no big competition, right? Microsoft is a big competition. Salesforce is a big competition. They are going to these guys' space. So um, I would say as with every other guys that we are, we are talking about today, they all face very big competition, which is why, to me, they're only trading at you know a price like that. Right? If once they have crossed the hurdle and continue to show that they can continue to expand and grow with their customers, especially in enterprise software, what you want to see is that they can continue to grow to provide for bigger and bigger customers and continue to grow with their customers because a lot of service uh, enterprise softwares, eventually they run into a problem where the customers grow beyond the software. Right, because when you start, you want to go for the cheap one, the easy one, easy to onboard, easy to use. But eventually, if it doesn't work, oh, then you you, you switch out. Lor. You go into a, a more complicated software suite. So you are seeing that Zendesk is running along with their customer. It looks pretty well, extension as well. Then they're getting bigger and bigger customers. Now they have about 37% of their customers are decently sized customers. Right? So this is a very good sign. So I'm not particularly excited about the CRM part of their software because I think that part, very competitive. Uh, maybe they have a easier UI and all that. Okay, good on them, right? Great if they can upsell to their customers. But I think what is important is as more and more companies go digital, as more and more digital payments are being done and you know a lot of companies have these kind of digital access or digital storefront, uh, more and more of them will need uh, service support. 
right? They will need the service backend. They will need this kind of integration to increase their customer experience. And I do think Zendesk has a best-in-class product today and continues to grow their product suite. So even if the CRM doesn't really work out, and not bad, ma, right? I, I still think the service support system is growing and will continue to grow and do pretty fine. Right? So that is kind of where I'm looking at it. Rather than very, very hopeful for like, oh, you know, uh, CRM, going to compete with Salesforce and all that. I think to become a $50 billion company for them, they just need to do very well in their service suites and continue to grow their service suite, continue to grow their, you know, the extra extensions that their customer need. So yeah, that's my view of uh, Zendesk as a company. I think I did a geek out with Thomas on TFC Stock Geek Out. You should check it out. And bring me to the third company for today. It's not really in the $20 billion range, but it is Spotify. So Spotify during the time of recording is somewhere about the $36 billion range in its market cap. Eventually, I think it will kind of hover around there for a while as it goes through a lot of problems that it has. So recently, the, the reports came out saying that, oh yeah, they got far over a million users, but growth is slowing, blah, 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 blah. Right? So you see a lot of mixed reports out there about uh, Spotify. Some people say, oh yeah, Netflix is coming in, TikTok is coming in, YouTube music. Everybody is trying to fight them exactly, right? So same with Zendesk, same with, <laughs> with Roku, right? All the big guys are trying to fight them, uh, which is why it's interesting because they have proven that there's a market to be made there's money to be made and the big guys want to come in and take this market share from them. But the interesting thing about Spotify is they have successfully uh, managed a lot of these big record labels for a very long time. They are not easy to deal with. Uh, your Warner Music, Universal Music, you think they're easy to deal with? No, they're not easy to deal with. Right? Back and forth always have a lot of problems. So I would say they're pretty successful in dealing with these guys. Uh, dealership arrangement, uh, percentages, uh, blah, blah, blah. A lot of these things uh, moving back and forth. Uh, and I would say even if uh, the big other big distributors like Amazon, like Apple, they all want to come into this business. They also have to learn to grapple with these big label producers. Right, so same shit, different smell. Uh, different people handling the same shit. Right, so it will not be an easy play for them either. Uh, but Spotify has recognized that, right? They recognize it and they are moving towards more independent creators. But independent creator a bit flagging them. Don't really want them. Uh, they, uh, Spotify don't pay a lot. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So it's a bit of a chicken egg issue. Spotify now has to grow multiple fronts. They have to grow the content front, they have to grow the technology front, and they have to grow the customer front. They have to choose to prioritize. So I would say um, for the content front, maybe not the best situation for now. They're not paying their content creators the best. In fact, they're probably one of the worst you know, in terms of paying audio content creators. So it's a problem there. I hope that they can solve it. But on the consumer front, you see them continue to grow consumers, so which, which is great, right? A lot of users, 400 million users, 180 million subscribers. Hey, these subscribers, the revenue that come in is very significant, can do a lot of things. They are cash flow positive, by the way. So for streaming company, at cash flow positive, um, 300 over billion of free cash flow. I think that's pretty good. In other words, if they wanted to take on more debt or burn more money to continue to grow, um, they can. But I do think they are relatively prudent in their attempt. Recently, they have taken on some debt to integrate the kind of technology software. So as a fellow podcaster, I can tell you, uh, the technology in the podcasting space is jalad, very, very bad. I have to pay one provider to host my content. I have to distribute it into other distribution platforms. And I have to use another software to integrate advertisement. And I have to use another software to check my ratings and where am I and, and all that. And a lot of these things are very problematic. Uh, and I'm, I'm essentially stuck with the kind of platforms that I have. 
I cannot interact with my audience directly. If I want to do premium subscription, I have to lead all of you into another podcast platform to say, hey, use this weird, weird, weird podcast platform uh, to pay sub- premium subscriptions. Like, what? It's very, very problematic in this space. And I see Spotify as the only player at this point in time trying to solve this problem. Every other person in this space, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Google, whether it's um, yeah, Apple, they're all just trying to work on content and they're all just trying to work on user. Okay, so trying to get more users and uh, get some you know content of their own. But Spotify is the only one that is doing a lot of this audio integration in terms of technology, trying to make it easier for podcasting, trying to make it easier for a lot of audio creators to come in. So I think this is the interesting part. And for a lot of people that don't recognize the difference, I'm sure you guys recognize the difference because you are audio consumer. There are fundamental differences between the way people consume video and the way people consume audio, right? So it's not the same. Uh, please tell all your friends, your kakis, your your boss, right? please stop telling me to just extract the audio file law and become a podcast and this does not work that way. We edit things differently. So it's definitely Spotify is going through some problems in terms of uh, shrinking margins, in terms of increased competition because they want to stay relevant. They have to do a lot of these things. They're taking on more debt. Uh, But, you know, you see their dominance in... Uh, the space that they're in, in a sense of they have a lot of big content creators with them uh, because they buy them out, right? Gimlet, Joe Rogan, there will be no other Joe Rogan, at least for the next, you know, five years, 10 years. Um, pretty much how a lot of these things work, right? You get a big celebrity, you get their following and the other platform cannot use it, you block them out, right? And uh, of course, they're also growing a lot of their tech platform, which I think it's the beauty, right? Which I think is the sexy part of their business where eventually you can kind of see more and more independent audio creators to come in and monetize and do their thing similar to a YouTube Right, so that's where I hope things will move towards. And I see that kind of integration that Spotify is trying to do. It's very messy now. To be fair, as a creator, I tell you it's very messy. And I see a lot of problems. Uh, but I hope, you know, eventually we'll get there. And Spotify is the only guy investing in the tech integration uh, strategy. So for me, as long as Spotify can continue to grow and retain their users, integrate the uh, creation platform and eventually um, integrate ads and all that which they're all trying to do uh, it will create a lot more you know possibility for the company and a lot more money to be made uh, for the company of course uh, when ad integration comes into the platform it makes it a bit hard for content creators like us uh, the ones that already have sponsors to make money because it will commoditize listenership and all that but that's a discussion for another day okay more importantly I do think uh, Spotify is ripe for that kind of turn and that kind of growth so yeah, these are the few companies that I'm looking at. I would, I think I will add more positions. I will keep observing, you know, as how the market play out. I will say that I do think the market will continue to you know, kind of recede a little bit. But some of these companies have really came out a lot from their peak. So it's it's, it's good price at, at this point in time. Uh, instead of looking at per share data, or instead of uh, really screwing into like, oh, you know, revenue never grow as much or like free cash flow slow down or margin never grow as much. Uh, try to look at these growth companies as a whole company. If today you have $30 billion, you have $100 billion, who will you buy? Right? Why will you buy Zendes at $10 billion? Why will you buy Roku at $20 billion? You know, you, you got to ask yourself in, in a bigger scale, how do you think this whole business will play out? Can they continue to grow and become dominant in the space they are in? Uh, that is definitely for me a little bit more on the yes side. Like, if not, I will not be looking at that. But for you, it may be a different 
different view altogether. Come to our Telegram group, talk to us, you know, discuss with us how do you see some of these things. And hey, oh, check out TFC Stock Geek Out as we prepare our reboot for the Friday Geek Out segment. So it's going to come back very soon. You should join TFC Stock Geek Out. With that, I hope you learned something new. So today, see ya. I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through Hello at thefinancialcoconut.com With that, have a great day ahead Stay tuned next week And always remember Personal finance can be chill, clear And sustainable for all Mom deserves the best And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day Than Whole Foods Market They're your destination for unbeatable savings From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers And irresistible desserts Start by saving 33% with Prime On all body care and candles Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips For just $9.99 each with Prime Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé Irresistible berry chantilly cake And more special treats Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Okay, so today I talk about some of the stocks that I believe has a chance of becoming a multi-bagger, like maybe 3x, 5x, yeah, maybe even 10x, you, you never know, right? Uh, but I have some assumptions that I made and I realized that it takes a lot more than just this episode to talk about. So next week, right, next week we're going to talk a little bit about growth stocks, trying to understand growth stocks and what are we really trying to look out for when looking at growth stocks? Because everybody only talks about the narrative, oh, this company, blah, 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 blah. Say until like, well, very shook like that. Nah. But, <laughs> but there must be some basis. Like, what are you looking at when you look at a growth stock? Because when you pick those stocks, you are really trying to look for the groundbreaker, the home run, right? You're not just trying to do a 10, 15% um, year on year, you know. You're not trying to perform alongside the market. You want to find the home runner. That's the pretty much the idea behind stock picking in the growth stock space. So yes, I will share with you some of the big ideas that I think a lot of people have conveniently forgotten uh, in next week's episode. See ya.